Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 33 of season 2. And I'm going to have a very hard time today talking about things that I don't think I should be talking about as a resident of Alabama. But if you follow the Facebook, you know already where I stand. I have been advised to be very careful in what I'm doing if I'm going to be of any use, and therefore careful it is. But once again, let me just state for the record, I am heartbroken and livid and sick to my stomach and want to do something about the Supreme Court's ruling. That's where I am, but if I'm going to do any good on this particular subject, I'm going to have to be careful. So you may not hear me say a lot about it, and maybe that's for the best. So instead, we're going to talk about cooking. That's what we're going to talk about today. And it is hot as balls down here. And believe me when I say that the podcast room is also hot as balls, because when I have to do this, I have to turn the AC off. Those summer recordings, well, uh, they mean I love you, (laughs) honey bunnies, because otherwise, uh, mm -mm, bat children, I would not be in this room. And today is my partner's birthday. He is 41 today. I am 56. And yes, I am totally okay with the age difference. He decided he's pretty giving, y'all. And he decided to come home from work early to stain the front porch. We're doing it this pretty shade of paint blue. He worked all last weekend getting it ground down and making sure it was ready to go. And now he's getting on that stain and I am nervous. And I thought, well... I'll just come in and I'll podcast because that way I don't stand over him and holler the whole time. It looks so pretty being raw wood, but we have dogs and chickens and bunnies and menfolk and I don't think that's going to retain its look for long. So I went for a very pretty blue. Yeah, I, I feel very courageous about this. No, not at all. Scared shitless. So anyway, I'm going to stay out of his way, but he's so giving this way to spend his birthday doing this. I tried to take him out to eat, and he said, no, he's as bad as me about people. (laughs) Like, no. So instead, it's going to be very late, because I just put it in about uh, an hour, I reckon, uh, about an hour ago. So I put in a a little roast, and I can tell you all about that today. And I'm going to fry some oysters. I know, half of y'all just rolled your eyes, but I love a good fried oyster. And that way when he gets done with all this staining and sacrificial lambing himself on his own birthday, he'll have a nice dinner to eat to go with it. I probably have told y'all about a roast before, so I kind of feel silly telling you about a roast again. But it's real simple. You just sear it on both sides in one of those Dutch ovens, and a Dutch oven is critical to my cooking, as is cast iron. And then you pull it out. And you get your garlic down in there and kind of brown them up. And then take you a cup of beef stock and a cup of damn fine red wine. You know, when you watch those cooking shows and they tell you to 
and I know it's so hard for us, especially those of us who aren't very wealthy, to make sure that you're cooking with the kind of wine you'd want to drink. And I found that to be true, but it sure does hurt a little. Anyhow, so you put a cup of that on there. And then I surround it by big onions. And if you want carrots, go ahead and do that. Or potatoes or whatever you want. But tonight we're going simple. And then I think I take about, oh, I don't know, maybe a quarter cup of soy. And sort of drizzle that across the top of that. Instead of salting everything. Because you're going to have salt in the soy. And you're going to have that salt in that beef stock. And you can always add, but you can't take out. Grandma done told us all. So we got to be careful. But y'all do you. Now, I do put a rub on it before I sear it on both sides, and my rub is strange, and y'all will think I'm insane, but it is sea salt and a little brown sugar and, let's see, what else, Uh, black pepper. I don't have to worry with the garlic because I'm putting in about, I don't know, 15 cloves. I'm a little crazy when it comes to garlic. But then my secret weapon shows up, and that is a teaspoon of coffee, instant coffee. And I just rub that all over that meat and sear it real good on both sides and then do everything else I told you. And put the lid on. Oh, wait, I do pop a rosemary sprig or two in there if you can. And then put the lid on and leave it alone. And if you, it depends on how big your roast is to decide how long it's going to stay in there, of course. But one of my tricks is to wait about, oh... 30 minutes on 350 and then knock that sucker down to 285 and I don't care if it takes me five more hours. I check on it after the first few hours and then after that I check on it a lot to see but I want it to be falling apart. I want it to be so tender and if it ain't tender yet honey it ain't done but low and slow is actually your best bet but you can look up the ratios for that anyway and I'm real tickled about having gone to the local cattle farm they're, well, I know some people might disagree with me, but as ethical as they can be on how they're raised and how they're treated and free-ranged and how they're culled or harvested or whatever horrible word you want to use. And it does break my heart a little bit, but if I'm going to do it, I'd rather be responsible for one heartbeat than however many ends up in a pack of hamburger meat I don't even want to know about. We get that quarter to a half of cow every year, and then after that... If we run out, we don't buy more. So, one heartbeat a year, all on me. I've got native blood in me, and I feel like I can carry that weight, uh, honor it. Um, I even have started asking her to please let me have whatever they don't want. You know, after they're done, there's all kinds of stuff, and we do stuff with that. We make beef broth and all kinds of important things. I better stop talking in case there's a vegetarian listening to me getting rightly upset with me. And I'm sorry, honey, I should put a trigger warning on this one. But if you want your cooking to end up being elevated, you need to have those two items I told you about. You're going to have to get you a Dutch oven. It's going to take you forever. But it's so good to cook in them. And then, of course, you're going to have to start cooking in cast iron, y'all. Just makes all the difference. I reckon I'm going to make him what we call lazy Sunday potatoes around here. I love lazy Sunday potatoes, and they are not for anybody on a diet. So just stop listening right now if you're on a diet. (laughs) I mean it. And that's where we just go ahead and quarter them. I don't know who the hell the we is. I reckon the royal we, because I'm the only one who really does the cooking. And then I simmer them down, boil them in um, chicken stock. 
you know, that's your one real chance to get flavor in anything, whether it be noodles or taters or whatever is in that cooking process. So I go ahead and simmer them in that. It just gives it so much more of a depth of flavor. And if you want them spicy, you got to go get that Louisiana crab boil and put you a packet in there and it'll light you up, but it also tastes so good. Anyway, we're not doing that tonight. And when they're tender, I drain it out. And sometimes I save it because then you've got chicken stock with potato starch in there and make a great base for a soup. And I smash it up with enough butter to make your grandma blush, at least a stick. So y'all just go ahead and edge that down because I'm sorry. And I don't eat very much of it either, but what little pat I do eat, I want to be delightful. And then talk about even being worse. Again, hold on to the wall and take an aspirin. I use real heavy cream to get it to the consistency I want. <laughs> and a little garlic and, of course, salt and pepper to taste. And I just mash them. You know, I don't want them all perfect. I just want them a little mash here and a little chunk there. Skin's on, and that stuff is fire. Now, I don't want y'all to think we eat like that all the time. I make a mean-ass ratatouille, and I reckon it, my God, the whole pot might have one tablespoon of fat in it. They're so good, though. Mm, 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 those roasted flavors. I serve that alongside, uh, now I guess here we go, though, right? Crusty bread and some nice sharp Vermont white cheddar. But we don't always eat crazy. Blackened fish over salad half the time. But when we do, and it's his birthday, you're going to see a lot of heavy cream. You're going to see a lot of butter. And there's probably going to be some red meat involved. But all this kind of gets me in the minds of uh, kitchen witchery. And kitchen witchery has to be, if nothing else, it has to be felt first. You have to be willing to make mistakes and kind of go with the groove. You know, I think the books on kitchen witchery are wonderful. And I think they kind of get you close to thinking about how you need to participate in your own kitchen witchery. But without that feeling, honey, I can't imagine... I've been writing about kitchen witchery, I guess, for over 15 years on and off, and I've never done a book on it. There's a lot of damn fine books out there, though. Doesn't seem to be any need for me to do one. But I will tell you, there are ways that you can get closer to your food, and one of those ways is growing it. And I know that's not feasible for everybody. But if you can even grow, like I've told you before, a little bit of chives, something in your window, Anything that came from your own hands and your own wherever you are in the world land. It's just going to taste better, honey. It's like a mystery, <laughs> a great mystery of why. But I think we could probably ascertain that. A lot more love went into growing that. I've got folks now addicted to my chicken eggs. They won't get them anywhere else. And I try to explain. Now, we already know they have more omega-3s and more vitamin, all that stuff. There's just something about a backyard chicken egg that's, I don't know, at least two times better than something you can get at the store. But there's other reasons for that. For instance, they haven't been shot up with a bunch of antibiotics. They haven't been shoved into a cage. They've been allowed to have some sunshine. They've, in my case, have been sung to. So bless it, their food tastes better. They don't experience fear if I can help it. And I reckon the same thing goes for the vegetables. My green beans get sung to. There is no pesticide or anything on the land that would mess with them. We have bees every damn where. They're happy. 
The water comes from a well that's been tested, so we know it's good. Everything is sort of the way it should be. It's a bit of a Eden over here for them. But honey, if you cannot afford those exorbitant organic prices in the supermarket, see if you've got a local farmer's market. And that way you're supporting them and you're doing something good and getting local food. It's totally worth it. Kind of magical. You know, I learned all of this from my grandma. My grandma was the only woman I ever met who didn't hate on other women. (laughs) And if she did, I never knew about it. And I spent so much time with her. And she taught me real early on that these kinds of things between women cooking and all that kind of stuff, now that was her experience, should be shared with each other. Of course, at the same time, She was a female postmaster in the, I think it was uh, the 60s. So (laughs) she was breaking all the rules kind of early. And just recently, as I've been, sorry to break away from cooking, y'all, but it's just laying on me so hard. As I've been suffering, along with the rest of y'all, about what's going on in the world right now, I've been thinking about her, and I've been thinking about what she would say. You see... She was present for something I had to go through when I was only, oh God, 15, 16, something like that. And her mind was fairly open, I'd reckon, for her age and for where she came from. You know, right now, what I yearn for more than anything in the entire world is the company of other women. I don't find the same solace. And talking to my beloved male friends that come in all sizes and and shapes. And I love them, but I don't find the same solace right now. And to me, it is evident that we do not have time to be tearing each other down anymore. You know, we've been making great strides, but what we haven't been doing enough of is canceling body shaming altogether amongst each other. And that fierce competitive thing I've talked about before, that has to go. That's no good. And there is literally no space for witch wars right now. At all. I don't have any time for it. If I smell it, I'm walking. Because we really do need each other. That kitchen witchery that I am able to do, and a few other little things I'm able to do, that comes from things being passed down from other women in my life. Other women who were willing to show me the way. And... Personally, I feel like at my age, I don't have a lot of room to be rolling my eyes at our youth right now. And that is what we do, y'all. You know we do. And we don't have that kind of time anymore. That's a luxury we cannot afford. Whether or not they want it, we need to be ready to give advice, stories, memories, strength, safe harbor. Well, whatever we can. Our magic. I mean... Some of us might be, you know, air quotes, safe from this horrible decision that the Supreme Court has made, but that doesn't get us off the hook. And I meant it just the way it sounded. I feel that we have a responsibility. Y'all know I've been put in a bit of a pickle because my Patreon group is over there talking about whether to hex or not to hex. And I tell you, that is... (laughs) The great Hamlet question right now, isn't it? To hex or not to hex, that is the question. And I tell y'all right now, I am not a Puritan. 
I'm also older and have chilled out a lot. And I'm not wholly against hexing anything. I take it on a situational basis. It's been a long time since I've had to dust off that old bag of tricks. But, I mean, it sometimes is necessary. I think we have a fairly negative connotation of the word hex, but it is a defensive mechanism and sometimes must be utilized. And that being stated, there are also other things we can do. Not necessarily in replacement of it, but it could be. I'm just adding in other thoughts on what we can do right now to fight the patriarchy, which is overdue and coming down from its crusty white ass. Sorry, a little anger slipped out. You know, I'm of a certain age. I have been groped. I have been talked down to. I have been pretty little girled and you need to smile more until my eyes want to roll back in my head. Other horrible things have happened to me, but we'll leave it there. I've been a victim of domestic violence. I have been told by a police officer that they cannot help me. That was in the 80s when I would call for help. I know what this patriarch has done firsthand, and a lot of us do. I think they are long overdue in their comeuppance. And, you know, I think a lot of folks get confused about the difference between the patriarchy and men. You know, I'm so sorry, y'all. It does tend to be the cis white men who have done all the pillaging and the horror. It does tend to be that. But it is not always so. I personally have raised a fierce warrior who is just torn to pieces about this and wants to know what he can do. I have a nephew who is grappling in a dark night of the soul because he doesn't want to accidentally put a person into a position that she cannot get out of. I know of men who are deciding to take a vow of chastity, if not make an appointment for something a little bit more dire and more final. Well, not completely final, but more secure. We do have some men on our side. And at the end of the day, that is critical. We cannot forget it. You know, the other night, I had a horrible tumble. I hurt myself so bad. I fell on my dog, and my dog was in the dark, and he's brown, and the rug was brown, and I still cannot walk right. I still cannot. And my partner, a couple of days ago, came down pretty hard on me and said that, you know, he really wanted me to go to a doctor over it. Now, I'm not going to get into it with y'all because y'all are going to yell at me too. But I guess I was a little raw, you know, in that moment. And he just kept on pushing and told me what I was going to do with my body. And I might have kind of lost my temper on one of the sweetest men I've ever known. Who never tells me whether or not I can get a piercing or a tattoo and would never deem himself to be the person who would tell me what to do with my body. However, I did lose it a little bit and it wasn't his fault and he was just concerned about me and the next thing I knew I was screaming and my oldest son, who's 30 years old, just quietly said from his little position on the porch, he's, he's that quiet, you know, type, strong and quiet. And he just looked at my partner and he said, you know, it might not be the best not to tell her what to do with her body. <laughs> You know, and that's when I realized that I had, um, I've got some misplaced anger right now. I really do. 
because I've spent over half of a century being told what to do with my body by the government. And living in Alabama, it's significantly difficult. We have criminalized it here. Um, I'm being very careful about my words. I think you can follow. And we've criminalized help or aid um, of any ilk. I'm in a particular situation, y'all, where, I mean, I feel the anger tears coming up and I'm fighting them because there's nothing I can do about that. I have to be careful. I'm in a particular situation in which I want you to know how I feel, but I must be quite careful, especially if I want to do anything to help. So, (laughs) you know, they still have their way, right? Because that means that I've been silenced to some extent. There are other things you can do. I'm sorry, I'm doing the best I can today. Besides hexing. Now, I've, I've seen a lot of frustration go by from witches who say the mundane world, the mundane actions I can take, they're just going to take too long. And I agree. <clears throat> they will. But those are the things that are going to go through and assure freedom for all of our sisters from now to time immemorial. So we do have to go on with the mundane And those would be, you know, legal protest and signing up where you can, voting every time you can. And either other little helpful things I won't get into on an airwave, but primarily whatever you can afford, you should be doing. I think magic works best with that kind of foot action, personally. I've told you before and I'm going to tell you again. When I saw Gloria Steinem, and if you don't know who that is, please go look her up, in 2014 in person, and I was sitting out there in that audience, and she was standing in front of all those prim and proper, both Republican and liberal Democrats, you know, and some of those liberal Democrats had never even gotten their feet dirty. Sometimes you can't tell the difference in the Deep South. Anyway, standing there, and she was looking out on all these people who'd come to see her at the local university. And someone raised their hand, and they said, well, what can we do to help the women's cause? What can we do? And she said, start a coven. (laughs) That's what the grandma of our feminist movement said to that room. Start a coven. Now, I don't know if she was being literal or not. I could have been. <laughs> Miss Gloria, uh, I spoke to her in private. She's uh, quite the kick in the pants. Could have been. But what I take from that more is that, you know, where three or more are gathered, there is power. Where we gather together, there is change. So no matter what, reach out to something local and find resistance and numbers. That's a good start. Now, I'm not going to try to get into any witchcraft secrets here on the airwaves. That's not something I'm okay with doing. But I would say that to be careful of binding, binding tends to bind the situation or the person to you. So are we sure we want that? And let's always remember that pushing away something horrific off of someone else's body, well, that's defensive, isn't it? It may seem very aggressive, but it in the end is defensive. And 
For all the love and light out there in the entire world, right now, y'all, we might have to get a little defensive. So, as careful as I'm being about my position, since I am living in a criminalized state, I would just remind you to go find groups. Go find someone working for this cause. Look up your local ACLU. I've even seen something really cool on Reddit called the Aunties. Read all the articles you can find out there to see what's going on in your area. Bond together. Fight together. It's going to be really hard for them to silence that many women. Okay. I feel like I haven't done y'all any justice today. And I'm just all wrapped up. I'm all wrapped up and there's not much I can say. At least publicly. If you've never known your back up against a wall... Perhaps you should stay out of the decision-making for the rest of us who have. I don't trust men to make that decision for me or any woman. I also don't trust women who are controlled by the patriarchy to make those decisions. In fact, I believe that the only person who can make that decision is the human being inside that sack of bones. And it is between them and their God or their lack of God. And believe me, it will continue to be, regardless of any laws that deem otherwise. So join any fight you can. Look around and turn to other women. And for crying out loud, if you hear a witch talking about hexing the patriarchy, maybe we should let other witches be witches and decide on their magic as well, because it begins in their bodies too. So, hands off of us. But let's not hurt each other either. Let's not do that. The worst thing I could imagine right now for a witch to do is nothing. As one of my favorite movies once uh, taught me, I think it was Dolores Claiborne. Stephen King is my hero, that main character. I don't know if y'all remember. But what she said was, sometimes being a bitch is all we have left. It may have been all we have left to hold on to. But you get the idea. So do what you can. Do what you feel comfortable doing. I personally refuse to lay down. I've had enough. And if any young woman needs me, you know where to write. Seba at southernfriedwitch.com I'm trying to find something inspirational to end with y'all, but I'm sorry. These are dark days. So turn to each other. Be nice to your sister. Drop all the competition, and for crying out loud, pick up a stab and fight. Well, y'all, I decided to break back in. I had finished this podcast, and I've also taken off my own story of something I had to go through when I was young, just to be a little bit more safe. But before I go, I want to thank y'all patrons that are helping make this podcast possible. This week, I want to do some shout-outs for Laurel, Cypress, and Tinsley. Welcome to the family, y'all. We have a whole lot of fun, especially over on our Facebook group. (laughs) Oh, my. We even light a candle once a week, and everyone does it from all places in the world. And Cypress, it is just so wonderful to have you. You are our first Canadian supporter. So cool. Thank you for being part of the SFW family. Also, the little book I've been writing has gotten good news lately. I'm not free to talk about it quite yet, but we are definitely on our way. 
And that will be the first book I've actually put together under Seba. So I need to get to work. Right now, I need to be writing recipes and doing more work. But I love y'all. Thank you for your continuous support. And don't forget to fight for each other. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.